So I am excited to have a conversation uh, that honestly, I've spoken with somebody from People Admin years ago. So it's nice to be able to revisit the, the great work that they are doing with additional team members, get some new perspectives. And uh, having two people on obviously is, is a treat to bring in more voices to the show here. So we will start out as we always do, uh, have our guests introduce themselves briefly and then get into uh, what pe People Admin does and our uh, topic for the day, which is centering a lot on sort of talent uh, in higher ed, which I feel like has become a much more of a uh, hot topic, which is uh, definitely very refreshing uh, for me. But uh, yeah, so um, Lucas, if you want to kick us off, introduce yourself, and then we'll go to you, Jackie. Hello, I'm Lucas Del Priori. I am the product manager at People Admin. Specifically, I work with faculty all day in our faculty information system for SIS. So I just partner and work a lot with universities to help faculty look good, help them get promoted uh, in our promotion and tenure workflow. We are deeply involved in retention, so this will be fun. My name is Jackie Wichko, and I am the Director of Product Management for the People Admin Product Suite. And uh, my focus is on delighting customers. Um, and I do this through creating new and enhancing existing products to make their work as easy as possible. You know, the, the focuses that you have, so the outcomes, the impact that you're looking to have, I think just a lot to be said just for the sort of quality of life of sort of, you know, faculty working their day to day, but then, you know, uh, retaining them and getting them uh, towards their professional goals and everything. And, you know, just getting good people doing good work, you know, at institutions uh, is time well spent. So uh, if both of you have slightly different perspectives on, you know, the work that you're doing, obviously kind of be more like specialized lens or more sort of broader ones. But uh, if you want to explain briefly what People Admin does for anybody that's not aware, uh, we'll start with you, Jackie, with sort of your broader view and then uh, go to you, Lucas. Perfect. Yeah. So People Admin is the only complete SaaS unified cloud platform, and it's tailor made for the higher ed market. So that's something that we really focus on. And within the higher ed cloud, it, it empowers more effective talent management. It helps streamline academic affairs and truly freeing up faculty and staff to get time back and focus on what really matters, which is obviously student outcomes. Yeah, I know, Lucas, you have more of a faculty lens, which I think kind of what Jackie is saying, like, you know, all of the things like one, again, on principle, it's important to sort of focus on the faculty experience. But it's like if you have satisfied, efficient faculty doing their work, students are going to have a better experience as well and everything. So I guess just, yeah, the, the sort of the the importance of, you know, what you're doing, if you want to explain what it is and also just why I guess, it's uh, you know, why it's so crucial. What I work on specifically is the faculty information system. So it's a lot of faculty searches, faculty activity reporting, promotion and tenure, course scheduling, evaluation, web profiles. The list goes on. Um, you know, a big part of that is just trying to help faculty look good, make it really easy for them to pull in their accomplishments, all the great stuff they've researched, bring that in through like one click kind of import process, have it all roll up in a nice clean format that might be, you know, uh, public facing for a university website. Um, we want to reduce as much time as possible for their administrative tasks. So yeah, they can focus on the stuff that they consider meaningful, the teaching, the researching, et cetera. And in doing all of that and saving them that time, making them look good, um, they're going to flourish. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it, to kind of get to my next question, we'll, we'll stick with you first on this one, Lucas. Like, you know, there's certainly, and I think we'll kind of like, 
you know, hit on both of these areas. Like one, there's sort of the the tip of the spear of like recruiting faculty to come work at your institution. Like you want to sort of, you know, be able to kind of make a value proposition to them of like, this is a great place to work. And this is why, because this is what we sort of offer you an experience and everything, because it's like in lieu of having a tool such as yours, I would imagine uh it is just left up to each individual faculty member to maybe sort of just try to, you know, capture what they're doing or figure out the best way to do what they're doing or, you know, any of those sort of things. So, you know, what do you see as sort of the current context and stakes for sort of the war for talent in higher ed? I mean, certainly I think just for you starting off, it's going to be more focused on, you know, the, the faculty experience and everything. But, you know, I think it, there's a lot of dynamics here, one of sort of the, the recruiting, but we'll kind of start with kind of where we were sort of spending most of our time of like the actual experience day to day. And that obviously, you know, that is a big piece of the, the puzzle here. The context is so different. Um, the war for talent is a great, I mean, it's a great term. I think one of the more pronounced challenges, the recruitment processes is just, it's all these new expectations. They've just been so intensely high in the last, uh, even, even still in the last year, 2022. Um, Hybrid, like hybrid work is what everyone wants now, all faculty want. I mean, the largest single group, I think like 40% of faculty prefer to teach in a hybrid manner. Uh, I think it's only like 27 who really want to be primarily remote. And a lot of the universities we work with, it's challenging because they, they're finding more and more of this need to like articulate real precisely what are the lines of acceptability around that and their policies, even in their job postings. And, you know, that's, t- I was just talking to one university, the uh, University of Alabama Burnton was so interesting because they found that, uh, like the secret sauce, the magic balance for them and getting more applications was like articulating, hey, uh, only one day, one to two days at home expectation, not like remote expectation, you know, more, most of their faculty actually wanted to come back to campus. It's hybrid, but they actually wanted to spend, I think, uh, like at least four days a week on campus and articulating that even publicly in staff positions, interesting as it was, and even within policy on the university, that has helped them, um, not just recruiting, but actually retention as well. Uh, it's interesting, how do you articulate exactly like what hybrid work is and what the lines of acceptability are? Um, more and more challenging and becoming more and more needed for you know being explicit. Another instance I just found really fascinating was uh, instruction across different disciplines is really challenging because hybrid work affects something like an English department, for example, or the faculty they're trying to hire there often um, in a different way because it's kind of like a course like English 101, for example, that has a, a, the most sections of. It's something that you're going to expect to be taught almost completely remotely. Um, it's a lot of adjunct faculty, and yet yeah, it's the kind of thing where students have so much more robust learning outcomes if it's taught in person. Universities are finding for a course like this a really hard time recruiting specifically for that, who's going to be really willing to be there in person every day to teach that when the position itself, if it's an adjunct, they're often the kind of people, they get to be remote often. Um, it's challenging to articulate these kind of new standards, um, you know, when you're trying to find talent because it's super subjective and it's a really quick change to adapt to. Yeah. And before we get to you, Jackie, like, yeah, just my thoughts on that of like, you know, yeah, like it's, every institution is going to make their decisions of like sort of that the hybrid spectrum. Because it's like technically you could say like if there's any sort of like remote work component or if like the course, you know, has sort of, uh, 
kind of a digital augmentation or, you know, through like the LMS or any other, you know, things where it's like, oh, sometimes we're just going to meet in, you know, in person. Sometimes we'll meet online or we have virtual office hours. And it's like, yeah, you could say it's maybe dialing up a little bit on the hybrid or, you know, those sort of things. So it's like, you know, like you're saying, like most faculty want hybrid and certainly the devil's in the details, like what level are they actually looking for? But if an institution is saying no, we're not doing that at all. It's like, well, the stakes here is likely you might be losing some faculty members, especially in certain disciplines, like you're saying, that are going to go towards institutions yeah. offering more of what they're looking for and everything. So I guess, Jackie, just from your point of view, are you seeing kind of just, I guess, I presume so, I guess, but just any other sort of color you can put to it of like sort of similar dynamics happening sort of large of sort of how institutions are sort of grappling with this war for talent? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree. I, I love how you phrase it, the war for talent. Um, and I think it's it's not just affecting colleges and universities, but it's affecting us globally, right across every, every type of business. Um, I think it's been uh, really interesting because it's so highly competitive and um, things have really changed. You know, we, we just talked about online education, you know, the ability, oh, I can just island from anywhere and take my course or I can teach my course to my students. Um, so you have that greater availability. You have you also are seeing um, or what we're seeing is, is a shift towards students going for the associate's degree versus their bachelor's. So there's a little bit of a change there. We're seeing declining enrollments, student enrollments overall, as they're looking at other ways to support themselves um, after high school, right? So uh, there are other options. And then, as you know, there's been a lot of changes with state and federal federal regulations and policies that are also having an impact. So um, you have all of these things just all converging. Um, and then in addition, you have staff, and as Lucas was mentioning with faculty, um, many are sitting back and evaluating what, what are my next steps? What do I want? What am I looking for? So it's no longer, I think what we're seeing is with universities and colleges, um, it's no longer throwing up a posting and saying they will come. It's actually colleges and universities are, are needing to step up their game related to recruitment marketing and really focusing on their brand and enticing faculty and staff to apply for these positions. So they're evaluating and everything from um, their wellness um, opportunities that they're offering. So benefits are becoming a big, a big factor as well. Um, and it's not just the traditional benefits, it's, it's all of the benefits. What's the community? Um, do I get uh, one day a week to work hybrid, um, you know, maybe half half the day in, half the day out, you know, those types of things. Salary is becoming um, another factor. Well, it's always a factor, right? It's a factor for all of us. It's all of those things that where faculty and staff are sitting back and saying, what do I want? And it may not always match with what the university and college is saying, this is what I'm offering. Um, so I think they're both having to uh, come together to evaluate and um, and step up their game for recruiting as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, like there's this sort of growing kind of chasm and divergence of sort of like, you know, especially I guess in certain institutions and whatnot of like, you know, what expectations a staff or faculty member has and what the institution can or wants to offer and what the demands from students are in terms of modality, in terms of the type of programs, the length or, you know, the, uh, the topics and everything and just sort of you know, where, where is the growth happening? Where are things contracting? How are they sort of deciding 
where is the institution deciding to put the resources and things like that. Um, so, yeah, so there's so many dynamics. And, and like you said, it, like, you know, salary always matters. It always has mattered. But like education has had this sort of like halo effect of a sort of like, well, if you work here, you're like called to the work and it's sort of, you know, all these sort of things. And it's like, there's always going to be a part yeah. of that. Like the people who are going to sort of thrive have that sort of like part of their heart that is just called towards education, but they can't just sort of mm-hmm. coast on that alone of like, Hey, well, you know, you know what you signed up for, right. You know, you're working in higher ed and it's just sort of how it is where yeah, you're not getting as many perks or, you know, uh, competitive salary and all that. It's like, if we are going to effectively recruit, we have to kind of look at sort of the, the switchboard of things that we can sort of like, you know, sort of slide up and kind of oscillate here being like, you know, we can't really do much on salary, but like, you know, there's certainly a pivot of just like, you can work remote, you know, any days of the week you want, it's more flexible, or we have at, le- you know, right. at least this many days or something like, there's like things that you can kind of adjust. Um, but uh, yeah, so Jackie, like, just we'll start with you and then go to Lucas. What can institutions do to be better positioned to effectively recruit faculty and staff? I think one of the first things I'll say is just modernize. Um, you, they need to come out of, I think, a little bit of the dark ages, um, you know, or taking the approach of what we would refer to as like the old school way of doing things, um, you know, coming away from that paper and pencil approach. Uh, pushing down those administrative tasks many times that would rest on faculty. And I know Lucas can layer in that that aspect as well. Um, I think there are many things, but the biggest thing is modernize. Modernize everything, you know, your entire ecosystem. It's not just about the tools and applications and systems that you may use, although they are a big component because that will drive efficiency. And that's exactly what the people admin product suite is all about driving efficiencies across the entire way of from uh you know an, a job posting to accepting applicants and cycling through all of that through performance so it's the entire life cycle there um making those improvements and really capitalizing on those tools can help um reduce some of that administrative burden because uh, you're relying on the system to based on triggers to move things through to the next place Let's play a game. What keywords does your website rank for? What doesn't it rank for that you think it should? What are a few opportunities you could be winning on if you tweaked some website copy? Okay, how'd you do? Not great? That's okay. Because our friends at DD Agency want to answer all of those questions for you and then some. DD Agency is a higher ed specific marketing technology agency that has conducted countless SEO audits for colleges and universities across the country. In these audits, they detail where you currently rank, what you could be ranking for, exactly how copy should be tweaked on website pages, and much more. If this sounds like something you could benefit from, give those folks a ping and be sure to mention that Enrollify sent you to claim a 10% discount on any of their SEO offerings. Head on over to enrollify.org slash D-D-A-S-E-O or simply follow the link in the show notes below that will guarantee you a 10% discount off of your audit. Again, Head on over to enrollify.org slash D-D-A-S-E-O to learn more. Now, on to the show. I do think it's interesting that, um, and, and we're seeing this change with, with many institutions, is where they're really upping their game related to their brand. Um, and they are taking a look at all of those components that we were you know, talking about, because salary is a factor. Um, but... Uh, relying on 
faculty and staff feeling tied to that, that the work that they're doing, that they're having that huge impact. Yes, you need to capitalize on that, but you also need to help them with tools and systems and applications to make it efficient for them. Um, and without those two things, um, the idea of, you know, uh, that I, I'm having that impact, that I'm making a difference, you know, it's it starts to wane a bit because you're getting bogged down with the day-to-day -day of, um, you know, Google Sheets and, you know, track this here and track that there. And, um, you know, it, not being able to be efficient from that aspect, I think, can really have an impact. So looking at those things, I think, would be the key. Um, and then rounding out, as you said, seeing on that scale of, of, of the entire uh, ecosystem of, of what, you know, a faculty or staff member is looking at when they're looking to make a move or um, to be promoted, um, seeing what you can adjust um, and offer to entice them to take the next step um, is what I would say well, there. Yeah, we'll talk a bit more about the digital tools and everything um, in our next question. I kind of give that a little bit more, more depth, but like the thought that I had uh, is like, because, yeah, like you're kind of like all the sort of bits and pieces, like they all matter, like they all matter of how you sort of set up a uh, faculty staff member up for success. But I'm even thinking of like, you know, what you're saying of sort of like, you know, the metaphor of like, if you're still working the like, you know, pen and paper approach in this day and age, like it's going to be pretty like noticeable and kind of like jarring of like, and the example I thought is like, literally like the first impression of like, what sort of system or platform you're using for your job portal and like how is somebody applying or learning more about your you know, positions that are available and like how you're sort of presenting that position to that person, like that first impression and that, that brand that sort of like, you know, you want to be a part of this community and you want to do this job right now in particular and those sort of things. So like, you know, if it's either like, you know, totally out of sync with what the expectations are, I think of the, of the moment. And if like, you know, maybe it's like it's too vague or if it's just kind of flat or, you know, like those sort of things. It's the idea of like that is the sort of like, I don't know, I guess in terms of like paper oh. and pen, or like that's like the smartphone approach or something like a very much more modern, <laughs> dynamic and flexible, you know, kind of relevant uh, approach to sort of like how you can more effectively recruit people is that they're, they're getting an amazing first impression from kind of the from the jump. From the yeah, from that job posting. I mean, straight away. So I I look at it as, um, and you can tell the companies that that still do this, where they're just taking a job posting off the shelf uh, and they're just throwing it out there. So it's so generic, and you're as you're reading through as a as a potential candidate, as you're reading through, and you're thinking, hmm, not exactly sure what. I would be doing because it's so generic um, and that can be hard. And you're seeing that transition where, um, you know, colleges and universities are actually looking really hard at the actual position and what it is that they're looking for and using that as a marketing tool. Uh, essentially. So, you know, talking more about diversity, equity, and inclusion, things that will matter to those that they want to bring into their community. Because just as a college and university is evaluating a candidate, a candidate is evaluating the college or university. And so it's just as important that the both are marketing to each other um, based on the skills and what they're looking for there. So I um, I do think those generic job postings, I'm hoping um, that that era is over yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> we can actually, you know, 
really, really see and hear what exactly, uh, you know, that position entails and all of those um, non-salary related benefits that will be included, you know, really focusing on those. So I've definitely seen a switch there um, and a lot of focus on that work-life balance and talking about how they uh, you know, universities and colleges are taking time to explain this is how our community operates. And I think that that's important as a candidate because you're you're deciding what's important to me and does that match? Um, and I think that that's helpful overall for everybody. So that way you're not wasting time, um, you know, scheduling interviews and going through that process. Um, you know, so I think that that helps. But I'm also seeing... Um, actually a shortened time amount of time that candidates are spending in that application and and throughout that process um, so I think gone are I hope gone are the days where you have tons of questions um, as part of that interview process or you know five or more interviews that you just and you have to keep going to the next step the next step it could take months. Um, and I think that there's less tolerance from the candidate pool perspective um, to spend that kind of time um, on that. So I think colleges and universities are looking at that as well. Yes, you need to make sure that there's a good fit um, and that that is important, but it doesn't need to take months um, or where there's radio silence for many months and where you're wondering, OK, well, I, I guess I didn't get it when. In fact, that's not it. It just got stuck, uh, you know, at a certain point. So that's where I think, you know, systems and, and applications can really help with that to, to move those things along and make that a little more efficient. But yeah. Hmm. Yeah, if I can chime in that more just faculty specific recruiting, um, the same challenges, of course, and the way the some of the universities I speak to and we partner with, they've had they've had success effectively recruiting faculty when they start to really specifically write and market the benefits of working at, at their college community as a, as a place of vibrancy, it's bustling, it's diverse. People, yes, they're not coming from, you know, being purely remote, even in a hybrid environment, uh, in a hybrid environment are still kind of re-remembering that, hey, this is why I got into teaching, you know, at a college community. It's like, a unique, unique little microcosm of ideas and diversity, and it's really a, just a wonderful place to be. And universities are getting more applications and getting better candidates, and they start to, like you both were saying, move away from maybe generic copy, kind of speak more specifically, uh, whether even that's just in their broader marketing on their university website, to just how special, how diverse, uh, how mission-driven even their community um, and their college is. Uh, that's really important, too, and it's why a lot of professors got into teaching in the first place is to be part of that. Um, and connection, even so, like recreating connection has been so challenging, uh, remote, of course, but even in a hired environment, recreating connection has been really hard for junior faculty specifically. Um, they tend to want and need a little more, uh, you know, connection. Um, they're a little less established. And so they're finding that in job ads and recruiting and on campus that they can have more examples of, say, like, uh, enhanced faculty onboarding for junior faculty and just in general universities are getting much better candidates and more like uh, uh, they're getting an actual acceptance of their offer if they're talking specifically about enhancing faculty onboarding more touch points liaisons as well as more meetings communication with their chairs uh, faculty onboarding has been super helpful for just increasing 
completion rates overall for training courses. Um, and one more way I think that universities, a few of them particularly I've, I've talked to, have had to put a lot of work in revamping policies and speaking to that again wherever they can um, in their recruiting copy. And they just have more success as a university having revamped policies that kind of take into consideration all the, you know, this new war for talent and just how challenging the hybrid environment has been. Uh, a really specific example of that, since I work in promotion and tenure for faculty information system is like tenure clock extensions. Um, faculty, if they want to be promoted, there's a specific timeline for submitting X, Y, and Z, the amount of publications. We're seeing just flexibility all over the place give a lot better results for universities, flexibility in hiring. But one more area that is that revamp policy for something like tenure clock extensions. That kind of flexibility goes a long way to communicating to candidates. Uh, this is a place that is current, that is modernizing, that understands what it's like to work post pandemic. And it's a place that, you know, you will flourish at as a, as an instructor. Yeah. I mean, and it's like the twofold thing of like doing that kind of work to modernize your policies and practices and everything else, the tools that you're using. And then it's like, talk about that, like revamp how you're sort of like, yeah, the generic job descriptions, like throw that out and like make it very clear. It's like, Hey, we're a welcoming community. We have onboarding. This is what it looks like. Like here's the community and how we sort of, you know, facilitate that and all these sort of things. Cause it's like the, the thing that's ringing in my head is like, uh, cause it would be a shame where it's like an institution is doing all of that work to like modernize and then they're like not talking about it in like job descriptions or anything else and like because it's, it's even still exactly. sort of honoring the paradigm of like putting the burden on the prospective faculty member or whatever who's sort of evaluating it's like yeah. they have to think through like what like what don't i know what, what what do i need to know like how do they do this how do they do that um and it puts all that burden on them and i think it's like understandable why obviously somebody would just use a generic job description and all these sort of things like but if it's like okay, how can we work on that back end to make it easier and not have it be this like laborious five month process to hire one faculty member. And that's why it sort of moves to the back burner because it's like, I don't have time to sort of go through all the sort of hoop jumping and this, that, the other thing, evaluating, uh, you know, uh, applications and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think there's a lot here. Obviously, we're talking, you know, certainly about what, what, what you all do and just sort of broadly kind of the practices and policies that institutions should be uh, implementing and everything. But sort of on the on the tools front, the digital tools side of the equation, uh, I imagine there's a lot of opportunity to address a lot of the things that we've talked about that are uh, really kind of just modern best practices for uh, faculty uh, retention and everything. So um, and I guess talent retention at large. So Lucas, we'll start with you on this one. How do you see investments in digital tools playing into talent retention? Uh, massively, <laughs> massively. Um, and, and talent retention is, is a key word there. Um, it was interesting, you know, we just had our, our, our uh, big PCL people connect event for our company. And that was a blast in this one presentation speaking to like this big move from recruiting even more to retention. If, if recruiting is challenging, like generally speaking right now, it makes sense that more you I think it's like 60% of universities 2022 have made a big shift towards retention efforts. Uh, makes sense. Recruiting's hard. So if we already have talented faculty, how do we keep them and help them become even better, you know, help them flourish. So the, the focus on talent retention is definitely what we think about with our tools. I think about retention uh, a lot with our, with the faculty information system. Um, you know, like 30 to 40% of faculty's time are spent on like emails, meetings, you know, it's only gotten worse in the past, I think, two years. 
I think one estimate was like 50% or however, those, however that data is gathered, I don't even know, but I can definitely relate to that sentiment at the very least. Uh, reducing administrative burden goes a long way to improving talent retention uh, because talented people don't like to do boring administrative tasks. <laughs> um, giving back that time to faculty. So we do that in a lot of ways. Uh, promotion and tenure, activity reporting, our two huge thrust course evaluation. There's uh, a variety of tools in our little faculty ecosystem, um, but those can all be hot, like super documentation heavy, right? Uh, and it's crazy the amount of universities who are still paper-based. Like I have to yearly update, you know, for my chair, my dean of the faculty, all my accomplishments. So I'm going to repeatedly enter them as like a resume bullet point on this document, over on this document, over in this like old web page in my university. So the first thing we do is stuff like build connections in our, our FIS with PubMed, um, big providers, you know, ORCID, places that have like huge repositories of the stuff faculty published. So I can just bring this in, you know, bring in 100 or 200 imports for all my faculty if I'm the administrator and update all their, um, you know, all their actual uh, profiles in my university. So I know all their activities, their accomplishments, save a ton of time if you can just import that with one click. For faculty, we also do work with just outputs of like, how can this, if we can make this come into our system super easy, so we don't have to do it manually, how can we make it roll up in a really nice looking way? So, you know, one click download, CVs, that sort of thing, have it auto populate into like grant applications so they can just really easily know their qualifications and procure more money in the process is a nice thing. A big focus on just trying to make them look good in all the ways while saving them time so they can focus on the sort of teaching and mentoring of students that is important to them that helps drive student outcomes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really great. I think um, the idea of, you know, the administrative burden, you know, like that, that's just like the target that we're always going to be sort of uh, trying to chip away at. So um, yeah, like, and that's just, you know, like the satisfaction levels, I'm sure will just really increase. Cause I think uh, it's even the idea of like everything sort of getting bottlenecked in email of like, trying to communicate information between faculty members or, you know, with them and students and all that. So it's just trying to think about like, how can we kind of optimize each thing to kind of be more efficient and maybe its own sort of kind of portal or space or those sort of things. So, um, yeah. 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 Efficient's the key word, like for talent retention too. Uh, automation, building connections is a lot of our work. Um, super important because uh, something we say a lot and like a guiding principle for our development is just like, if you have to enter something manually, you do it one time and then it just auto populates in every conceivable place. So it's like not just that rolling up into promotion and tenure, but also like web profiles that are already pre-built and fancy and snazzy looking. So you look good. And, you know, that accomplishment, that little publication you had to enter rolls up into your promotion and tenure process, you know, course evaluation um, from your students that said you're a really great instructor, auto populates into your promotion and tenure process, right? So help you get it promoted, help you get promoted. Um, wonderful. I mean, there's a lot of examples and the more of those connections we can build up for automation. Uh, it's just endless the opportunities to like just give back time and help them get promoted towards just sticking around at the university and becoming a super great instructor. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and, uh, Jackie, any thoughts yeah, on sort of the, the role that uh, digital tools play in here? I think Lucas hit the nail on the head. I mean, it's so critical. You know, it can be anything from even just a simple reminder, as you were mentioning, like, you know, all the emails and things get clogged in your emails and you're you're trying to make decisions. OK, you know, which ones do I focus on first? And if it's just a simple reminder saying, hey, did you move that from 
this step to the next step, uh, you know, there's, there's more efficient ways that we can handle those things. And I think, um, you know, investing in that technology and those digital tools are critical. And I know that generally higher ed has been slow um, or much slower to adopt technology. But when you do adopt tools like for hiring and onboarding, I mean, that that just takes you to the next level, right? And if you don't make those investments, it really does hurt your bottom line because you're having to make more of a time and effort investment versus being able to rely on systems and tools um, to help streamline those processes. So, um, you know, looking at the investment and tools and technology, they definitely have quantifiable improvements that you can really focus on. You know, recruiting tools, they can reduce the time to hire. That is so critical. Every day that you're going with that vacant position, whether it's a staff, you know, somebody in the dining hall to a faculty member, I mean, that's, that's critical. We need to be able to reduce that and we have tools to help support that. Um, you know, even after you've gone through that hiring event and you're, you're um, onboarding that new employee, whether it's a staff or faculty member, you know, having that all in a centralized location so that they can feel, um, you know, positive, like they, they made the right decision to come to your university or college. That, that is that is critical. Um, and it helps uh, even, you know, it helps colleges and universities make sure that they're finding that best fit candidate as well. So streamlining all that. I think there's so many benefits. And then on the retention side, because of course I've been focusing on, you know, the upfront posting the job, getting candidates, uh, working to hire. But uh, as Lucas was saying, retention is critical. Your staff and faculty members, they are your number one promoters. Um, of your college and university, and we need to better capitalize on them and have tools to evaluate their performance to help them improve, not just um, celebrating the positives and everything that they're bringing to your university, but also look at ways that they can get to the next level and show them that path. Um, and really the best way to do that is not drawing it on a piece of paper, but actually having that information um, in a system that the staff or faculty member can access and know what investment you're making at, you know, at the college and university level, the investment that you're making in them and, and feel confident that they wanna to continue to stay. Um, so I think those are, are critical components across uh, just across the entire life cycle of a faculty or staff member. Yeah. Well, and it is just like the paradigm shift, like you're saying, like, you know, institutions kind of uh, are slow to adopt, which is fine. Like, you know, because uh, they're like sort of like healthcare systems or government, like these huge sort of enterprises that have to kind of move their collective weight. And uh, certainly uh, higher education has its own sort of unique you know, aspects of his culture and everything. But like, I think once you've at least like kind of clicked into sort of the mindset of like, if we can implement specialized digital tools that also sort of interconnect, you know, have sort of an interoperability, mm -hmm. then it's like, yeah, we have something that really helps facilitate community and we can sort of quantify that or sort of, you know, uh, just have all these sort of gains across the board of implementing these digital tools that help with so many different things. And hopefully at least like you've clicked into that mindset. And then to me, it's like, you know, you're just sort of trying to find the best thing out there for what you need and then do the calculus of like, how much is it? And then, yeah, I mean, if we're saving like X amount of time of all these people, like that's worth 
you know, like it's it's just like a simple equation of just like, okay, we're wasting like all these people's time, right. which is, you know, X amount of dollars per hour. And if we like shave that down, then it's just like, you know, it just makes easy sense and everything. That's, that's, that's how I've often like thought about these things. But um, so I appreciate you both, you know, kind of just really kind of uh, getting your arms around, you know, that this sort of uh, war for talent, you know, what are the stakes in the context and everything else? Um, you know, what institutions can uh, do to sort of better position themselves. So I think uh, for sort of takeaways, you know, or things for folks to engage with uh, as we're winding down, Jackie, we'll start with you on this one. If there are any resources, uh, your own or others that you'd want to uh, share out on this topic that folks can check out uh, that we can uh, yeah, just refer folks to. So on the people admin site, peopleadmin.com, um, we have a wealth of information, uh, especially um, under the resources area. So there are several guides. We've got guides to recruiting and retaining diverse faculty and staff. That's a great read. Um, we also have guides on recruitment marketing and how to better leverage what institutions and colleges are already doing. And then we also have a, another guide and one thing we didn't talk about, but it's that data, right? You know, being able to use that data to do the math to say, okay, we can do some savings here. Um, we have a guide on leveraging data and analytics to gain those insights um, and, and make strategic business decisions because that, that's what they're looking to do. Um, but, you know, I think there's a wealth of articles out there. The Chronicle of Higher Education's Workforce articles are a great read. They have awesome insights and surveys um, that folks can delve into there, um, especially on hiring and retention. We also have the Coupa. I know Lucas knows the Coupa HR <laughs> gathered um, some great data in, in 2022 on higher ed and employee retention. Um, and then there's some podcasts that might be great. There's one, um, you can check out the May 2022 episode of Inside Higher Ed's podcast, um, all about turnover, burnout, and demoralization. Um, I thought that was a, a great read there. Um, anything else that you would layer in, Lucas? Yeah. Um, I like studies, and you know, to inform to inform the product that, you know, we're, we're building as a, as a PM is just, What's the actual hard data? So there's so much hearsay, you know, in the kind of post-pandemic of just, but trying to get as precise as possible with, yeah, like what is hybrid work about? How many days is that? I mean, those kind of questions I need to know. And it's probably a super boring answer to give you. Yeah, I wish I had like a good novel to recommend on the issue, but um, uh, certainly hard data studies, uh, the staffing crisis in higher education from the 2022, from I think it's a partnership here on Consulting Group and Chronicle Higher Education, super, super good content in there. They had, that's probably one of the best things I've read in a while. Uh, just not just for excellent, very operative data, but just they have this like one study was like evidence-based best practices for how to help the faculty flourish as they come back to campus. It's like 600 workshops an hour each they ran this study. And it's just fascinating. The best practices are like, it's got a huge way to retain talented faculty to like help get them involved interdepartmentally, like, or mentor a new like group of students who never have just some aspect that is a new experience of the college community. Just goes like a super long way, it seems like, towards making people remember what's awesome about working on college campus. Uh, that's a great that's a great study. Addressing burnout through cultural change, I think the National American Council of Higher Ed for the past uh, 2022, also excellent, great great hard data there. And what, what does burnout really mean for faculty? It's like 
a term we also just throw out. I throw that out probably every Friday. Oh, I'm so burned out. <laughs> what does that actually mean? What are the implications of that, uh, you know, nationally? Um, I like those. Those are two excellent studies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like that too, because it's sort of, you know, the conference experience is like people saying like, okay, here, I'm going to show my work, like what we did, what was the impact and all that. Cause I think, yeah, there's so many anecdotal things that people can just kind of, you know, uh, yeah, saying like, oh, I'm sober and town and all that. It's like, cause yeah, like life is stressful yeah. and you have to kind of honor and empathize with that. But if it's like, you know, really deep sort of, you know, kind of burnout and everything like that, that that is a little bit different like that that term has sort of been co-opted a bit so it's like if you you know i think like you're saying like with data or something or like really getting into research studies and getting things very specific have kind of tangible examples like if you know an institution for example is just sort of hemorrhaging faculty and staff members and if if hopefully they're doing any sort of you know analysis as to why these people are leaving or exit interviews or something like it would you know, be aware. It's like, oh, we have a burnout issue because like people are just sort of like, you know, just having to deal with all that administrative burden or have no community, have no support mm-hmm. and, you know, um, just can't do their job effectively. So they're just sort of thrown in the towel and, you know, they'd be like, I'd, I'd love to stay here, but like, it's not really, you know, set up for <laughs> success here. So, um, so yeah, we'll wrap up uh, with our final question here that we always like to uh, do here of a final thought or call to action on this topic uh, to end the episode with. So uh, Lucas, we'll start with you. As a call to action, I suppose more universities, it seems like the ones who are adapting, the ones who are thriving are probably the most self-reflective ones, just uh, willingness to practice like institution and just personally, because there's a lot of just great academic leaders there. Just asking themselves, honestly, like, are we making efforts towards retention? Are we even thinking about that? Are these just employees and, you know, they have a salary, so that's all we need to think about, um, you know? And what are we actually doing around retention? Uh, do we have, even have the resources to, like, allocate additional time, money to, like, a enhanced faculty onboarding plan? Um, that tends to go a long way, I'm finding. How about you, Jackie? I think I would encourage everyone listening here to Think about what was what we've talked about and the opportunities and options that you have, um, and then go back within your institution and start asking some of the hard questions, like what tools are we using um, to support recruitment marketing or onboarding or you know anything like that. Start asking those questions. How much time is our faculty? spending on administrative tasks. If you don't have that data, data informs decision-making, you know, find a way to, to get at that. Because, you know, going back to that burnout um, comment, I'm very sure that, you know, there is some burnout because they're tied up and doing things that they don't feel really, truly drive student outcomes. But there is that connection. So what can we do to help, right? So what, what are, you know, how much time is being spent? And then from an institution perspective, you know, what are we doing to support retention? Um, what are we offering our staff and faculty to keep them? They're here already. Let's keep them because uh, it it's, takes more money to invest um, to to onboard new staff and, and faculty. So let's focus on those. Um, and what are we doing to, as, as you were saying, Lucas, to help faculty flourish? You know, if we've spent the time to onboard them, we're excited to have them. Um, we believe that they'll contribute to the bottom line of our university or institution. How are we helping them flourish? Um, and then, of course, the biggest 
uh, question I always ask is, um, you know, are you still, or I think about, maybe I don't ask directly, but um, are you still acting as if we're in a pre-pandemic world? Hmm. Um, you know, going back to that old school way of operating, I think things have changed. Um, and so taking a hard look at that and really asking those hard questions, I think will, um, will help. And if, if the answers don't excite or inspire you, um, then, you know, check out some of the resources about tools um, that, that we have available and just and learn more about how you might be able to move into that more digital, um, uh, you know, technological um, solution oriented space uh, to help your organization. Love what you both have shared and just sort of the, the call to action of kind of taking that time to reflect and sort of evaluate and because yeah, I always say like start somewhere, and that's honestly like a place to start is like just doing that sort of you know reflection <laughs> and identifying where it's like oh we kind of do okay here or there we're actually doing nothing over here so that maybe is where we need to like look up some resources and you know see what uh, tools are out there and that sort of thing so uh, yeah hopefully folks uh, can you know take the energy the inspiration from this uh, conversation and, and start somewhere uh, to better you know uh, recruit and engage their their faculty and staff and everything so uh, just thank you both for for hanging out and sharing all that you did. And Hey, all Zach here from Enrollify. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month and we've got a plethora of marketing, admissions, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks that are all designed to empower you to become a better higher ed professional. Our shows feature a selection of the industry's best as your hosts. Learn from Mickey Baines, Jeremy Tears, Jamie Hunt, Corinne Myers, Jamie Gleason, and many, many more. You can learn more about the Enrollify Podcast Network at podcasts.enrollify.org. Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea. Find yours at podcasts.enrollify.org.